Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Will Leverson, and this is Sports Spot Weekly. This week's episode, at which point? At this point. And uh, that title of this show was uh, inspired by the old uh, Usher lyric um, there where he said, at this point, the situation's out of control. Um. You know, you maybe want to leave the one or with to start a new relationship. That song there. Um, Because at this point, the situation is certainly out of control uh, when it comes down to some storied, uh, legendary sports um, teams, uh, franchises. And the two teams we're going to look at today are the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) <laughs> or as uh, from the movie Coming to America, <laughs> the Packers of Green Bay <laughs> and, uh, and, and the L.A. Lakers. Um, even though, respectfully for basketball, it is still early enough in the season to where a, uh, a start like how L.A. has had, um, I believe they have only won two games as of yet, just dropped a game to Cleveland uh, the Cavaliers and their young, talented cast. Um, and, of course, certainly uh, basketball, uh, a lot of talented players, a lot of teams uh, have organized around the, uh, uh, the analytics of having the shooters and, and defensive uh, wingmen, and, and that's become successful for a lot of teams. And the Lakers... Uh, the troubles with the Lakers, and it's not just at this point that the situation was is, is out of control. The situation for the Lakers has been out of control uh, since the aftermath of the 2020 championship. And it feels like that championship is, was like five years ago because of all the great basketball, of course, played um, since then, uh, for sure. And, and, and a lot of the stories that we see... Um, especially when it comes down to uh, teams like Boston, even Miami, and and the historic runs of Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, on the uh, Bucks, um, and, and and of course what Luka Doncic uh, has been able to do uh, as a talent there for Dallas. But we take a look at how, and for me as a host of a show, having that business operations background. It is so very hard for me to uh, really get down on player performance as opposed to, well, how do we get that player performance on the team? And of course, right, you know, it is up to the player to have to deliver their part um, as being a professional athlete to deliver their skills and, 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 and lead toward wins. There, it cannot be left to said or left to say Uh, how important it is for teams to make the right decisions when building their rosters, uh, either for identity purposes, to sell tickets, whatever. Um, You have to do certain things to be able to do that successfully. And so far, the Lakers have been um, really fortunate to have the back brand recognition that a lot of people have, which has expectations that if they were not the L.A. Lakers and were a team like Sacramento, we wouldn't have as high expectations for the Lakers roster as they ha- as, as, as what we have. 
and then you grow the conversation out for there. Yes, they have LeBron James, and they have Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, and they have the you know the supporting cast of of, of players. Um, the thing is, is that the Lakers are not an aberration. There have been many teams in the past who have had older rosters and things. Uh, when I think about uh, that, I think about how truly. Uh, not competitive some of the jazz teams were after their championship drives um, in the West uh, against the Bulls. Um, I can't tell you that that team building and rosters and things was able to translate into much success for that team since the mid uh, late 90s there. Uh, seriously, um, they've had some great players. Donovan Mitchell, part of that Cavaliers team uh, there uh, that just beat the Lakers, um, uh, was out there in Utah. And that team, along with Rudy Gobert, um, Joe Harris, um, and some others there, was a, uh, a decent team. It, it had some success uh, reaching the playoffs and, and, and having... Uh, success in the regular season just didn't translate to deep playoff runs with the roster that they had. Uh, but even before then, there really isn't a memorable Utah roster. So it, it's not like things were able to translate over for that team. And sometimes it would happen for you. Uh, even the uh, now uh, often discussed uh, Houston Rockets team of Elijah Wan and Charles Barkley and Scottie Pippen, um, and how that team wasn't able to, with all those players, yield anything uh, that was truly great uh, with that roster. And, of course, that had to be put together by the ownership at the time. So what we're saying is, is that certainly L.A.'s professional performances with the older cast of, of, of characters there. Um, isn't an aberration. It's been done before. They have all, they have been the, one of the older rosters since uh, Rob Palenka. Um, well, uh, apologies uh, since Magic Johnson brought over LeBron, and then uh, there was of course some young talent, and then bringing over Anthony Davis, uh, Rob Palenka, and then putting together the subsequent teams uh, there that uh, performed in 2020 and now in the aftermath uh, with how they were constructed. A couple older players, Dwight Howard. Uh, was on that team, JaVale McGee. Um, and, and so this is at a different point. And, and those players, um, playability careers, you know, two years, almost three years now ago. Um, and so that just shows you how uh, the age uh, uh, and the speed of the maturity of a lot of the talent there in the league because nearly the same Boston Celtics roster that went seven games with LeBron in his last Eastern Conference appearance there um, in the East uh, was nearly the same team uh, that was competing in the championship this year against Golden State. And so this is just the maturity uh, here that we're really seeing, uh, especially in the NBA around some of these longer tenured uh, storied franchise. Even the Golden State Warriors are not markedly performing better than the Lakers. But the Golden State, given their ability to yield success with their rosters, are in a different situation than what the Lakers are, given their respective records at this point in the season. And so uh, it, it just it, it's unfortunate um, for those who are Lakers uh, fans or, or who 
who buy into memorabilia and those things, uh, you know, to kind of have what's going on there at that roster. But it's one of those things that um, there isn't an ability in basketball to play the same money ball games as baseball or like uh, professional soccer. Uh, different economies of scale, um, even though we have players with multi-million dollar, you know, in the hundreds of million dollars of contracts, uh, there's something to be said by not truly being able to spend your way out of the position that you're in. So spending it and picking up free agents, uh, that's not going to get it done for the Lakers. The only thing, uh, just like in a, uh, and, and I hate to say that it's a sort of a nuclear fallout sort of situation, but that really is nuclear talent uh, is going to yield nuclear fallout when all is said and done. And that's what's going on right now with L.A. And the only other thing that you can deal with that is time, distance and shielding. And so the time is going to be the time that it's going to take for L.A. to come around and begin to build out a true roster um, for the future. That's not going to involve decisions that you're making for even some of the Hall of Fame talent that you have right now. That's the best because it is also uh, distant. And the distance uh, is kind of a corollary with the time in that it's going to be the distance that L.A. is going to be away from being able to truly compete into a deep playoff contention championship team because of the roster that they will have to build uh, in these next three to five years. I don't expect, uh, you know, you know uh, especially with things that have just happened uh, with Kyrie Irving's career for it to be just this. Um, seamless transition over to a Kyrie, LeBron, uh, AD, and then whatever the other um, roster f f position f fillings that are going to go on there, of course, uh, filling those roster uh, spots, I should say, um, in that in that time frame. So if we're being realistic, this is not a knock against someone who's going to score more points than anyone or even anyone that when they're well and, and able to play, that, that they're a top five player in the league in, in, in Anthony Davis. It's just the real reality that there's no way that with the Lakers roster in a favorable two-year scenario is going to be in a real position to compete to compete to win to be deep into the playoffs enough to say that they're in a position now with the matchup that maybe they can play and, and then maybe get into a, a LeBron's maybe final uh, Western Conference appearance or what have you. And so realistically, this roster is three to five years out from being in that position um, that some of the other teams like uh, Dallas with their roster supporting cast of characters that has only gotten better. Um, it's, it's still too far out to say how far the Houston team uh, has grown as as opposed to uh, maybe Memphis. Uh, I don't think that, uh, or, or, or even Minnesota, I should say. Minnesota uh, and Memphis aren't in the same competitive uh, capacity uh, at all when it comes down to being able to make a drive into the, into deep into the playoffs. Minnesota, I am not of the thought that they in any uh, early matchup with a team like Dallas or with a team like the Nuggets, uh, that they'd be able to beat those teams. Uh, uh, and so, uh, you know, right now, it's just one of those things that realistically the Lakers uh, are not in a championship trajectory. And at this point, uh, that situation 
is out of control. There is no controlling, um, uh, you know, at this point, you know, at which point it is truly at this point that we have to, that we must realize, you know, what the scope of that Lakers roster is and then begin to maybe, uh, you know, take a look at some other teams. Uh, the Lakers on paper should be able to win a series against a team like Sacramento, for example, in a matchup. But if we're talking about a you know, three, you know, three win series as opposed to a one shot game, I'm not sure if I put my um, hopes on the Lakers winning uh, a one shot game as opposed to a couple games in a series. And that's going to be important for a team that has to play into games you know, at the end of the season where. You know, each game you're trying to take it, you know, if you're going to be playing, you know, in a ninth spot or if you're going to be in a seventh or eighth uh, there, because even six may be out of the reach for L.A., um, depending on what goes on with that roster with injuries and things getting late to the season. So I, I just realistically when we're taking a look at teams uh, that we're talking about today here, the Lakers, you know, and, and, and at which point is the situation out of control? Um, it certainly is is at this point. And as we. Take a look at, at, at the other uh, team here. Boy, um, I, I have always said, when I say always, meaning my time at sharing information or thought or opinion in any public sense or of public people, you know, that is, is that uh, Aaron Rodgers should have left Green Bay. The season after the multi-sack performance of the Arizona Cardinals in a late um, regular season game. Being left to someone's unimaginative offensive talents when it comes to the play calling uh, behind Aaron Rodgers in, in the mid midpoint of his career, not at this point, not at this point, this situation, but at another point, Aaron Rodgers is probably six to seven seasons too late from leaving Green Bay, being able to go to another team, maybe be able to compete in the championship. I, I was of the thinking, uh, Volition, that I, I thought that, uh, that the Houston Texans at one point had a capable enough defense. Uh, I believe it was in Deshaun Watson's first season or so. Um, I felt that Aaron Rodgers in that situation uh, would have been able to maximize the most out of the offensive talent that um, that the Texans had and that he would have made them a much more competitive team um, at that point in time. Um, but just like many things, just like any relationship, whether it's a personal one that you have uh, with a loved one or, or, or what have you, or, or, or business relationship, you know, like, like with a long tenured uh, senior executive, sometimes when you stay around in things too long, it can be a touch too long. Um, that's not the case all the time. But in most situations where you're looking at things and maybe uh, when we talk about a relationship and staying maybe in something that isn't that doesn't have the growth potential and all those things that we'll talk, you know, that you talk about in, in regards to 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 your you know, intimate relationships or, or such um, that if there's 
no point where there's, you know, the advancement or that things are getting better or things like that. And there's a, there's a, a chance that you stay too long, either because of a, a comfortability level or 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 or, or the a, a an idea of prospecting or what's out there. Um, it could be many different factors, but there is a such thing as staying too long, even when in the situation you're still kind of functionally operating. It doesn't have to be like, you know, where dishes are being thrown for it to be a healthy thing to maybe end the relationship before it gets to that point and those sorts of things. So it's just at this point in the Packers relationship with Aaron Rodgers, it's been too long. It's not that Aaron Rodgers isn't a capable quarterback. The business discipline of Green Bay already is not this hallmark and trailblazing, um, you know, spirit of of transformative moves, right? It's not like Green Bay was ever saying, hey, you know, we're thinking about maybe, you know, taking a look at a different media market somewhere else or, or just, you know, hey, what are the sort of big splashes that Green Bay has done in acquisitions? Are they like a Dallas where there's like a personality and a flair for the acquisitions or this big sort of personality things? Well, no, that's not really Green Bay. Never been. They're not, you know, one of these uh, uh, franchises had to like migrate and change so much um, in order to, you know, keep their fan bases or just, everything is kind of sort of perpetual for Green Bay. Uh, their fan base is a very... Um, Static, um, not a dynamic sort of fan base where you know where like it's a fan base like for example like Philadelphia where the personality is just this you know it's it's a very folky uh, kind of uh, sticky um, uh, you know to the point of it being uh, as someone I, I remember putting it in a business sense in, in Wisconsin Midwest humble that's exactly uh, the business discipline of the Green Bay Packers. Midwest humble. You don't make splashes. You, 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 you take what you have and you maximize the most out of it. That's where the real gold and mining things are because that's where the success has been. We don't have to go on and get the Odell Beckhams because we have the Greg Jennings and Donald Drivers and Randall Cobbs at one point in his career. And the Devontae Adams, we, we get these guys and they're great. And the Jordy Nelsons and those things. For example, the Green Bay Packers right now, they're one of their, Alan Lazard, right? Like, like, like this is who, who is kind of um, in, in, this, in this new uh, non-competitive Green Bay era that we're in. You know, the, even the Devontae Adams and the Marquez Valdez-Scantlings, right? These guys that brought a little bit of pizzazz and flair. They're no longer on the team. They're now on, in, in other um, capacities there. Um, and say what you will about the receivers when they leave the Packers. They don't, there's also something that, that, that in that rapport and who Aaron Rodgers is for the Green Bay Packers as the Green Bay Packers quarterback. Um, he was great for them. In those years where he, you know, was where they were able to beat Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers in that Super Bowl, a couple years out of there was that 2012-ish time frame. So we're talking Aaron Rodgers should have been gone 2013, 2014, and should have gone to another team. 
I, once again, I say the Houston Texans would have been the best sort of spot for him. Uh, the situation that San Francisco had in that interim, um, they had Kaepernick. Uh, like those, like those Green Bay teams that were losing against against San Francisco in the playoffs. That's when Aaron Rodgers should have he should, he shouldn't have been on that team. Uh, I, I, once again, I would have liked to have seen him there in Houston, uh, I, another destination. Uh, oddly enough, uh, here probably could have been even the uh, Jets. Um, there, the Jets had a uh, were they a uh, young roster at that point in Aaron Rodgers' career. You could build it out in a couple of years, and hopefully, Aaron Rodgers is able to help you compete um, there in the AFC at that time. Uh, for example, I believe that um, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> with that Baltimore Ravens team, uh, Aaron Rodgers with uh, instead of it being Peyton Manning. Um, there, I believe that Aaron Rodgers could have gotten a championship uh, with that uh, awesome uh, Denver Broncos defense there. Um, so, yeah, definitely there are some teams there uh, that I feel. Or even the Cam Newton, um, Carolina Panthers, although Cam Newton, phenomenal quarterback. Um, or, even, or even some of those Cincinnati Bengal teams that, uh, that Andy Dalton had where they were competing in the playoffs. I believe a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers would have been able to maximize. Uh, could you imagine uh, earlier on in A.J. Green's career, him uh, catching balls from, uh, respectively, in both their careers, uh, A.J. Green and Aaron Rodgers hooking up. Uh, that would have been something to see. So there's definitely some, uh, some opportunities there that um, – Boy, you know, it would have been great to maybe see him compete for a championship in another place that's not mired in uh, the most uh, archaic and moribund uh, football operations uh, th- that we see in the league. Even a team, the re- Detroit isn't, didn't just win yesterday uh, for any flukish or or any reason where there's a regression or anything like that. Detroit won because uh, what they did in their draft is they they went out and they, uh, especially with especially defense, defensively that was that would have been a game where there wouldn't have been those three interceptions from Aaron Rodgers um, there because the uh, ability and play <clears throat> excuse me playability. Of the athletes in those positions, they weren't there, um, and and so especially last year. That, and so that's the difference uh, maker here. So it's not that that Aaron Rodgers is on a decline and teams are just able to pick on him now. It, it it's it, the proof is in the pudding. It's one of those things to where it's like this. Okay, what are the are there any constants from one season? Or is there any carryover? Is there any is there any um, you know is there any uh, longevity um, there is there is there anything there um, is there any continuity you know when it comes down to is there any coaching staff changes personnel changes uh, detrimental uh, to the uh, further future or the ongoing championship drive of a team that was just competing in the playoff last year you know so what are the things that are different? Did the coaches change their philosophy? Sometimes it will happen where maybe someone who was balanced, 
maybe this year they're leaning more into something and, 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 and because they saw uh, some promise, uh, you know, maybe instead of being a balanced defense, maybe we blitz more. And then maybe that's left us acceptable to things, but you know, and then and then we're or or is it that uh, that offensively because of the loss of personnel through injury, right? Like, is it that hey, we suffered some massive injuries to some of our key offensive uh, line personnel, and that has put our quarterback under more pressure, and so this year is an aberration year for us, and it's just. You know, we will have to right the ship, hopefully at some point mid-season, uh, to be able to, uh, to, to make a push. Or is it that there's some uh, loss in, uh, for example, uh, with Devontae Adams? Is it just solely because the impact offensive player outside the quarterback? Did we just lose one person? Which... Uh, with their with their playability and things, we've had to re, retool the offense uh, to maximize what we have now, right? We don't have Devontae Adams as a max threat, but we do have uh, maybe a Mar- maybe the, the next guy that was on the roster next year, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, the self-stylized uh, fastest packer. And so, well, no, we don't have we don't have the second guy on the depth chart uh, back from Devontae Adams either. We do have Aaron Rodgers. We do have some of our defensive talent, but we don't have two of our punches that we just, we literally just had these people um, in our unfortunate, unsuccessful um, NFC Championship appearance. Um, Like, that happened for real. They lost their two receivers, not to injury, they're on other teams. And so, well now, how do you run that offense? How, how, do you, how do you run the offense that's your quarterback with you being a newer coach and, and being an offensive or a, at least a touted better offensive mind than what you had in Mike McCarthy? You're saying that this person was coming here to be this, um, this, this voice of leadership to where Aaron Rodgers didn't have to be this cranky, crash, curmudgeon personality and all these different things. And, 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 and this is what he's here for. But in like and from the so the player didn't change. Oh, well, he didn't go into training camp, the, the, taking time off. OK, it's not altogether for that personality. Uh, for Aaron Rodgers' personality, that's not an aberration. It's not like the 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 conversation about Tom Brady, where he you know did something uncharacteristic out of time. Aaron Rodgers has been prickly, even when in, in Devontae Adams and and, and 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 even Randall Cobb. It was like it's a, it's his thing. He's prickly with his receivers because he's so demanding. It's like it's his thing. It's Aaron Rodgers' thing. Every year, there's press about his interactions with these young receivers and, you know, his demands and these sorts of things. It's very Green Bay. It's folky. It, it, it makes, as far as Aaron as the, the, this to- sort of leader at quarterback as opposed to just operating and having the talent ability, this is Aaron Rodgers' uh, you know, reported, touted. This is his leadership style, to be prickly with his receivers. So that's not an aberration. What is so completely drastically different and from just one season to the next 
There wasn't any, once again, gradual drop off to where you're looking at the situation saying, okay, all things being considered, this part in the, in, in the, in the, in the triumphant there between coach and players and scheme, um, that this part in the, in the player's scheme and coach, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's got the targets, but he's not hitting them. Like we're seeing, we're not seeing holes in, the, in, in, in his play. We're seeing the holes in the availability of the players to play into the scheme of the coach. And so is it on the Aaron Rodgers? He can be prickly. He can be unapproachable. He is not and has never been in his career, nor has any player even though they can you know, exert some influence, has never been the person to make the decisions on the hiring and the firing and the reassignment of personnel. Aaron Rodgers may not have gone and said, hey, can you please not trade him? Not his job to. It's on like the, 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 the president of player personnel and, and the general manager to kind of take a look at things and see, okay, what absolutely do we need to the carryover success. That's if you're trying to do that. See, it's not, it's not, oh, they're just some incompetent. No, they're not incompetent. They're just not operating as effectively as teams and at the front office level are doing to make their teams competitive. You throw that conversation out from there. Oh, many teams made acquisitions at this part of the trade deadline except for a couple teams that are not looking you're not looking to be competitive. You're not maximizing that. The Packers right now, as a front office in the National Football League, and I hope that the so, you know some of the folks that are Packers fans that hear this stuff, um, your team is just maximizing opportunity to present to you Green Bay Packers football for the next four seasons. As far as being a winning team, they have not put themselves in position to be at least at this point having a different conversation other than what are we going to do about Aaron Rodgers? You shouldn't even need to figure it out right now, but at which point is the situation out of control? It is at this point that the situation for the Green Bay Packers is out of control. Why? Because they didn't make a business decision four to five years ago to where they wouldn't have been in this situation right now. They would not be in another, you know, post, you know, big in multiple MVP or Super Bowl winning quarterback. We wouldn't be uh, if you're a Green Bay Packers fan or in that office or a player or anything. You wouldn't be in this situation if you make a business decision before now so that you're not at this point saying, well, what are we going to do when we, uh, at a point that we were just at? Five, six years ago. However, you grow the conversation out from there, that Midwest humble term that we use to describe the Packers, that's a lot of different operations. That ain't just football in that state, let me tell you. If you want to know more about that, you can listen to the uh, our other show, The Union Address, and you'll hear about some of the some other reasons outside of football into that Midwest humble. Um, operation uh, of or, or the expectancy um, there of a lot of different facets of Wisconsin life. This is not some, you know, debasing diatribe against the folkiness of 
fan, you know, fan involvement in a team. Like I, I enjoy sports. I enjoy football. I enjoy betting on it. I enjoy sometimes losing on it, depending on how much of a loss it is. Um, hopefully, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying I'm engaged in any illegal activity, but boy, if I had a bookie, I don't think he could go driving through, through New Jersey right now. He might be fine, you know, drop the kids off in school, but I don't think he's going to be able to drive, drive out east for a little bit there. So <laughs> with some of these scores that have been going on here, uh, uh, my goodness, but man, uh, it's it's when you have a fan base, right, that is in such a belief of its ownership by engagement, like right, like uh, like you know we're talking about like fans at these games, right? Like they're getting overly, like they're overly involved because they're able to afford a ticket, you know, in a in a stadium. You know, they courtside and they feel like they can heckle a player or talk to a player just because of their involvement there, right? Like so, this is not a conversation that's you know that that that's something that is 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 just aimed at one group of people. But there have been studies in the state of Wisconsin that say that when the Green Bay Packers, and I know that it's been expanded to other areas too, but the study, it was, it was unique to Wisconsin in that, like, and for like sales data, like retail, I was, I was a car, I, I sold cars at this time. <laughs> when I remember, you know, the stories and the data coming out that when the Green Bay Packers win, like retail profits are up across the board in the state. Like nearly every segment, there's an increase when the Packers win. But when the Packers lose, there's all sorts of corollaries between decreased economic activity, uh, domestic, primarily domestic violence, right? Um, or, or like alcohol-related incidents, and you know, which which then may lead out to a whole other plethora. Like this isn't just conjecture. This is a real. This is real data. And so when you have a fan base like that's that involved um, to the point where they believe like in their ownership of the of the team by their participation. Some of us may know, many may not, but Green Bay has sales of stock into the Green Bay Packers every few years or so. And then these, when they open up the the sales of Green Bay Packers stock, it allows, you know, people in Wisconsin primarily, but uh, you can purchase a little bit of share into the Green Bay Packers. And as a publicly owned team, the Green Bay Packers can never leave because the people of Wisconsin own it. Boy, I wish that wasn't just some hyperbolic, uh, you know, sort of uh, explanation of a socioeconomic like function of a people, but this is a real reality thing that people in, in Wisconsin, um, when they have these purchases of stock into the Green Bay Packers, they believe that it's in the same thing as taking ownership of stock in like a company. Like in like a in like where you publicly trade something and you say, hey, I'm going this has a monetary value, like as this exchange traded commodity here, here you go. Um, I'm going to sell this to either a brokerage 
or you know, I don't think the uh, or or a private sale, you know, some equity thing, and like some company acquisition where someone's personal shares go to the next incoming person personally. Like people believe that when they purchase whatever amount of hundreds of dollars that these things are, that they are buying into this company, buying into the Packers. While. It is certainly one of the greatest publicity stunts in order to, you know, drive participation. You know, people do have to buy tickets to Packer games and memorabilia, and they have to buy merchandising, merchandising of Green Bay uh, for the team to ultimately make money to pay its players and personnel and stadium staff folks and to have the effect in the Green Bay small media market area where that stadium at certain points, um, certainly for certain games, I'm sure for the Bears-Packers games, uh, that that stadium uh, with the amount of people that are in it are one of the larger towns in Wisconsin. That is not conjecture. That is the real reality. It's the same thing when the West Virginia, when the Mountaineers play is that on game day, that stadium becomes like the largest city in that state. And it's no different even when uh, at Camp Randall in Madison. Some of those uh, college football games, Madison it already has 250 some odd thousand or so, 300 some odd thousand people. But along with the folks that are there for the game, it is easily, apart from Milwaukee, already Madison is already the second largest city, but it seriously, um, uh, it, 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 it increases that um, by, some, by, I don't know if it's by 10 or by five or what have you, but it certainly increases that. You figure if you got a hundred some odd thousand people that are in that stadium, uh, you got families, you got all this you know, personnel from the other you know, there's there's a lot of other people that are in Madison on those game days that are just outside of that. And so when you have a place like that, um, like New York, right? Like when we think about New York sports teams, we don't think about them being timid or or like meek in the sense in the sports world. We think about them, you know, championship winning, uh, you know, big, you know, players that. Are, are, are eccentric and all these other different things, right? Like, like even the Knicks, right, who haven't been nearly as successful as, say, even the Giants or certainly the Yankees or the Mets, right? Like, like the bigness of Madison Square Garden as a venue, the long storied venue of the, that has you know, wrestling and all these other events, uh, uh, concerts, larger life things happen. So the stage in New York is a big stage. If you're a player, you want to go play on a big stage. So even the Knicks have that. Here, man, you get to showcase your talents on one of the most hallowed courts in existence outside of the Rucker. Man, and, and, you know, these, these other places, man, that are, you know, street ball, these, these legendary places, man, uh, uh, Madison Square Garden is it. If you're a baller, that's where you want to go play at, man. You don't even have a Staples Center anymore. You don't have the L.A. Coliseum. You don't have these 
other venues anymore, but you still do have Madison Square Garden. So even the New York Knicks have that draw. You don't, you're not going to get that same thing when you're thinking about anything Wisconsin. Look at the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks, um, they they have won. They have just recently won a championship. The roster moves that other teams have made, they feel that they don't have to because they have the one of the best, if not best players. Certainly, he's he's uh, one, the, the the one of the best players, if not the best player uh, right now, MVP wise in the league right now. Um, but certainly, at any other given point. Uh, between him, people like himself, Steph, uh, Luca, uh, these are these are going to be your your best players that are playing at any given time in the league. So they have that. What else has Milwaukee done other than to rely on on Giannis having a Hall of Fame uh, performance, like in the play? And he has to do that in order for to yield the most out of that Milwaukee. Uh, roster. I know that Michael Jordan has all the feats and things, and there's a lot of history and a lot of firsts in there. But they, the Bulls became more successful when they weren't having to rely on rely. Not that Michael wasn't able to um, have though have though that that level of epic performance in each of his uh, uh, opportunities there in the playoff, but. They didn't have to rely on Michael to be that. He could do that. And you had the other um, great players who played along with him at various different points. Before Steve Kerr, there was John Paxson hitting big threes. Before Dennis Rodman, there was Horace Grant with epic level uh, presence as a power forward. And there was also B.J. Armstrong who was, was also another uh, a shooting uh, outside of Michael Jordan. So there were multiple different, uh, Bill Cartwright, uh, the old statesman there, uh, providing a, a senior presence there for the Bulls in the first um, championship run. So um, there is something to be said um, by having uh, a, 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 an ability to, to really have that be a presence for your team. So it is understandable that teams uh, like Green Bay or teams like L.A. with the Hall of Fame level talent that they have been able to acquire or maintain, how they could feel that way based off of L.A. should be able to feel like they are always in a championship playability with having LeBron James on the team. I'm sure that... Um, the Philadelphia 76ers, they had Dr. J and Moses Malone. I'm pretty sure that they felt like they should be able to compete. Man, young Charles Barkley on the team. Okay, yeah, okay, they should be able to compete. Yeah. They were they would have been able to compete when they were yielding the best out that roster and able to win that championship. But after that, you've got Magic Johnson, you got Larry Bird. You're not going to win, man. Not in that time frame. And you have Isaiah Thomas with those Detroit Piston teams. Uh, Patrick Ewan just coming along, uh, young talent from Georgetown. You, no, nah, that wasn't going to happen for you like that. Not, not like that, not no more. So um, 
I mean that that and and so, but that that's that's the nature and story of the progression of our years in sports, right? Before Tom Brady, there was George Blanda, who played a very long football career, uh, multiple quarterback, and he may not have had the grand success as Tom Brady, but at a certain point, um, Blanda was the epitome of a long ten career. I remember watching cartoons. Having references like I believe uh, if it wasn't Looney Tunes, uh, one of the one of the old school cartoons used to have uh, George Blanda like, or a couple of them used to have him run through, you know, and doing the most random stuff, uh, and even references to, to him on 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 old sitcoms. Like so, it's just that we haven't seen anyone be like Tom Brady and be to win multiple championships in multiple. You know, across multiple decades here now in his in his career, multiple decades, Tom Brady literally has remained playing while some of his Hall of Fame level teammates are either coaching. Mike Mike Vrabel played in the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Man, Mike Vrabel is still coaching, able to able to still coach in a game against Tom Brady, man. He has um, former team members that are well, you know, uh, highly successful sports analysts and comment and commentators, and and he still he's still playing, although this season um, certainly isn't anywhere near what we would uh, want for Tom Brady to be to compete for. And then there's the things in his personal life. And so, man, we just have to be able to, you know, those of us that share in this, the, you know, the sports world and, and, and love it for, for everything that it is and, 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 and really help support it. Um, it, it. It's a real thing, man, that, that these teams have to do better by these players and that we as fans, we have to, we have to be able to use our voice. Um, and interact, you know, if, even if it's Twitter, I guarantee you if enough um, of a presence could be made to say, hey, man, we're going to fall back from buying y'all merchandise, man, if y'all don't, you know, make these rosters and then, so, you know, make it make it meaningful and impactful. I'll, I'll guarantee you that some of these teams will respond to that. Maybe not all, but some of them will respond to that. And I believe that we would see um, a difference in that response, uh, you know, from the consumer into the uh, into the into the 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 the, the producers there. Um, and so we are the fans, we are uh, consumers, and then the producers of that public good, of course, are the teams. And you also have the infrastructure around that, the delivery of that, which is, of course, content creation and sports commentary, sports analysts, uh, sports journalism, that ability to you know, bring that, distribute that football or that professional sports product out to us, the consumer, the fan. Um, that is what um, those people like myself and, and many others um, strive to do. Um, and maybe we can make this meaningful impactful. I know there's a team here now as we're getting ready to close the show uh, that uh, the Washington Commanders, uh, they're exploring, the ownership is exploring the possibility of, of, of selling the team. And then I believe former player Robert Griffin III um, on his Twitter page 
um, shared uh, that he was looking maybe have 10, you know, 10 fans come in with him, you know, uh, in, a, in a minority ownership space. And I hope, uh, you know, congratulations to uh, our RG3 on his success as a sports commentator, as an analyst. Um, I hope that that's able to translate over into a minority ownership. I know that he has a, a as far as an interest in seeing Washington as a sports team be successful. Um, he uh, played at a, an exceptional level early in his career at Washington uh, in, 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 for the Redskins, for Kyle Shanahan. Um, unfortunately, um, due to some decision-making, um, he wasn't able to have enough time for his injury to heal. Um, and, 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 you know, that's an unfortunate story for many, a professional athlete. But he did um, have some great success, him, him, and, the, him and, uh, and Trent Richardson there uh, for the first part um, there of their uh, careers there. So it would be great to see if he's able to acquire that minority ownership and and let's hope that those uh, fans and, and that, that effort, that, that it's able to make a difference and, and change the tra trajectory of that team moving forward. It'd be refreshing to see a competitive and a, a, a more conscious and more responsible Washington football team, uh, you know, really change uh, that narrative. So let's see where that goes. But uh, that's been here. Uh, our Sports Spot Weekly here. Uh, at which point? At this point, the situation is out of control for the L.A. Lakers and Green Bay Packers, respectively. I'm Will Everson, Sports Spot Weekly. Y'all be safe. Please listen and share and tune in.